This week's episode of the XI Network Podcast, we are back discussing Toronto FC's match against Colorado Rapids, the first leg of the Canadian Championship, and Sabasa Endo's latest heroics. All that and more coming up on the XI Network Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the XI Network Podcast. I am your host, Justin Boro, and with me today, I got a full house, ladies and gentlemen. Chengiz Khan is back. Hello, hello, hello. I'm back. Welcome back, buddy. We've uh, we've missed you over here. Did you? I didn't miss you. <laughs> and of course, the one, the only, the supporter of all local football, Peter Robinson. Uh, well, you already said it for me, so I don't have to say it, but I'm going to anyways. Uh, support local football, just so everyone uh, knows that. Um, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy that Chengiz is back, to be I honest. Th- it was... Uh, I, I, li- I like that his uh, identity is just the local s- football supporter. That's all it is, yeah. <laughs> like, when, 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 they, when he's on TV and he's being interviewed by CP24 or whatever, it's just going to say, Peter Robinson, not... You know, your actual job title, but just <laughs> local football supporter. I was about to say that when he's no, on the news. Supporter, <laughs> supporter of local football. Yeah, there that's you what go. I was going to say. It's not just going to be that. And then, you know what? Like, I go and watch games in other countries, and I'm, I'm still supporting uh, my own local football. I'm bringing all my... Supporter of yeah, local... Yeah, I'm bringing my York 9 stuff to England. Football. I'm going to bring some Forge stuff to England. So, you know, going to get the uh, CPL out Oh, there. that's going to be yeah, awesome. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Pump yes. it up. Well, guys, today this is going to be strictly a TFC episode. There's lots to unpack. Uh, we're going to look at the TFC Colorado game that happened on Sunday. We're going to break down the game against Montreal last night, leg one of the Canadian Championship. Um, and we're going to kind of see where TFC goes from here. You know, towards the end of the season, uh, there was a lot of um, questions that we had about where TFC was going to finish and where they were going to be. Uh, and I feel like some of those questions um, have some more clear uh, answers for us, and then we're going to take a peek at that. So, guys, let's start with the Toronto FC versus Colorado match happened on Sunday. Uh, it was a rainy night, uh, five o'clock kickoff, uh, a little bit chilly. But was um, it on a Tuesday and in the south of England by chance? Yeah. <laughs> Rain, rainy Tuesday night in Stoke, right? It, it felt that way to be honest at times. Uh, the way that the match was going, I did not think that we were going to have that much trouble from Colorado, but. Uh, let's kind of break it down. So uh, Endo scored early into the match, eight minutes in. Uh, it was a brilliant finish, bar down. Uh, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, Endo and how he's kind of come about because he's kind of gone from zero to hero. Um, so for those of the those of you guys listening who may not be familiar with Endo's journey through TFC, uh, he's been with the team for a couple of seasons now. Uh, was sort of insignificant. Uh, played for TFC two. Uh, came off the bench quite a bit. Uh, he came up to TFC one, uh, the first team, a couple times. Uh, he played in a couple Canadian Championship matches. Uh, he played against Orlando, scored a few goals, but really wasn't anybody of note. Um, then at the end of the season last year, they chose not to option his contract, and it seemed like that was going to be the end of Sebastian Endo's career. Fast forward to April, where Toronto FC decides to bring him back. Um, he plays for TFC two for a little bit, lights it up. Is scoring hat-tricks and bangers every match. Um, and they decided to give him a shot on the first team because we had a couple injuries. Uh, and then he came up to TFC 1, continued his great form, um, 
scored a, a few more bangers, keep scoring, uh, and he's now sort of cemented himself in the starting eleven. It's it's kind mm. of a, a great story when you think about it for you know a local Japanese boy to sort of just jump up and. Uh... It's it's really his his rise has been quite quite nice to watch and nice to see, um, but more incredibly, Peter, did you? hear justin say his first name correctly at any one point during that that little uh, uh, do you say subasa Sub- i don't know he, I he said, said subasa i said it right i said subasa subasa endo okay okay oh oh there's th- another think... there's another name in this pod that we're going to talk about that i'm going to get right just as well so don't you worry i blew peter away last time we yeah, discussed it's this true. So Ooh, you're just, okay i'm excited and, <laughs> anyways the thing i remember from uh subasa Endo's first spell is that he had a lot of energy, but he didn't really know where to direct it. He'd be running a lot. He'd be uh, attacking. You know, st- he'd be attacking players with the ball. He'd be really good for pressing people. But when he got the ball, he always felt a little bit like a deer caught in headlights. He kind of didn't have a very defined playing style. Whereas now, his movements a lot more targeted. It's a lot more precise. You can tell he's playing with confidence. He also, for, the, for his first goal against Colorado, he did this brilliant thing, a very subtle thing, but all these good strikers do is, is he he psyched out the defender by putting his outstretching his left arm and saying, you know, pass the ball to me, I'm going to be running over there. And then he'd run, he'd make that run, but before he made that run, the defender made the run, because that's what you do as a good defender. You try and spot the run before the attacker gets it. He backs off his run, as the defender accelerates, which then suddenly he's in acres of space and then he can bang in that finish. He's become a lot more nuanced with his play and I think he's just a better, he's a better footballing brain now. Uh, Peter, would you say that he's fun to watch? Because that's the best way for me to describe Subasando is that now he's he's fun. Like I actually enjoy seeing him in the starting 11 and just watching him play, watching you know the little nuances that he makes like Chengiz was saying and watching those runs. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he is a he is a fun player to watch now. He's always been kind of a fun player to watch, like Chengiz was saying about having a lot of energy and just not knowing where to uh, where to exert it the best. I think that just comes with time and experience and uh, playing time. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time when he was up here the first time. So um, you know, he went down to TFC two, had a great time down in TFC two, and. There's a couple of good young stars down there in TFC too. I think that we're we're kind of forgetting about. We know Subasa Endo as one of the bigger names, but I mean, you you also have to think of uh, Petrasso and Petruza down there who are doing amazing. Um, so I can't wait to see them. But uh, I don't know. I think it took a little bit of Subasa being back in the spotlight for them to remember him. I think, and I think he was in the spotlight for a little bit of the wrong reason, but. Um, you know, all's well that ends well, I guess. I think I think the Terence Boyd situation definitely helped his case a lot. You know, aside from like Terence Boyd, you know, God rest his TFC career soul. Um, he was never really an alternative to Altidore. Like as soon as he got on the pitch for that first Champions League game, we knew. This is no way, no way. This guy, this guy's not going to be able to do anything. He talks a big game, but he has very little footballing ability to bring it back it up. Talks and then, a big game, if we recall yeah. from the Toronto Sun. What was it? We're going to fucking kill them. Yeah, all bark, <laughs> yes. no bite. And then you know, 
<laughs> and then and then shipping off rickets, you know, we, we were lacking that super sub option. Uh, somebody who can inject a lot of energy late into the game, somebody who can run a defender, somebody who can just generally make a nuisance of themselves. And, you know, you throw Terrence Boyd on in the 75th or 81st minute, he's going to be a tree. He's going to play like a tree. He's going to pass the ball like a tree. He's going to shoot the ball like a tree. So it wasn't like there was no dynamism with him, at least with Endo. You know, he can play along that front line, mostly on the right, sometimes in the middle. And he was just always a, a better option. I'm, I'm surprised it took TFC, the, the front office, this long to... Uh, to, to reintegrate him into the, the starting 11. Yeah, and I mean, let's jump further into the game. Uh, so there was an incident with Abubakar and Altador. Abubakar, Mr. Chengay's car. Abubakar. <laughs> Almost. Great Almost. job, Jess. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> um, that, you know what? It took me all week to practice it, but it's all good from Sunday Peter? to today. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Golf claps. <laughs> Um, golf, golf clubs all around but uh, f- the 59th minute um, so there was an incident uh, Abubakar fouls Altador no call by the referee uh, Altador is clearly frustrated ball goes up in the air Abubakar goes for it and Altador full on body checks him uh, it was like a football <laughs> tackle uh, brings him down you know straight yellow questions about should it have been a red um, but now so it was insignificant in regards to the match um, and it was inconsequential in that regard however um, now there is talk the league is looking at it and there's possible suspension for Eltador uh, that he could be facing because of the tackle. Um, now, what I want to talk to you guys about is, A, do you guys believe it should have been a red card and, and do you think he will be suspended? Uh, and I'm going to come to you first, Shanghais. Um And B, um, does Eltador's temper, um, is, it, is it detrimental to our team? Uh, because this is not the first time that we've seen an incident like this from Josie Altador. I think it was definitely a yellow, because at no point did he ever try to make a play for the ball. It wasn't a dangerous thing he did, but it was reckless. So for that reason, I think it's a yellow. Um, you know, should he be suspended? Possibly. I think it would be. I don't think anybody in their right mind can argue against it because it was violent conduct it was pretty much assault uh, uh, on some level because he doesn't make a play for the ball he is literally like seeing red you look at the replays you look at his eyes he's not trying to play the ball he's just trying to get in his face should he be suspended no because i think that whole situation comes about as a result of bad refereeing and and as a result of incompetence Mm -hmm. from the referee and you know there was a serious case for abu Bakr to to get a second yellow but at the same time, it was still within the first half, so I understand why the ref didn't call, didn't, you know, give the yellow. He should have at least stopped play. Did he stop play? He stopped play once Altador um, did the football tackle okay. for the for All the right. straight See, yeah. yeah, so he, he should he should have stopped the play for when um, you know Abu Bakr made that second foul. Um, with regards to Altador's temper. See, it's it's tricky because you want you want players on your team that can fight. You want players on your team that care. You want players on your team to be, for lack of better words, absolute shit houses. You want them to to have that that blood that 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 uh, sorry not that blood that bloodlust, that temper, that fire. But if it's at this, if it's if it's going to get you suspended, if it's going to get you in trouble with the refs, if it's going to put you afoul of whatever governing body then it's just it, it more often than not then it's not worth it but that said 
Altador has way more injury problems than he does have temper problems. So I don't think it's an issue for him. Fair enough. Uh, so Peter, what I want to talk to you about now is like, so we're talking about how this was more of a, a situation that arose from bad refereeing. And I feel like this is sort of a, a talking point that we could have every time we discuss the MLS because the refereeing in the MLS is, is horrendous, let's be honest. Um, but there was an incident just a little bit later on um, you know, late in the game, I think it was a 76th minute, uh, Larea's making a run in, uh, he had shouldered from behind, goes down, looked to me like it should have been a penalty, uh, it, it was not shoulder to shoulder, uh, he didn't seem to go down that easily, VAR was not used, the play was not called, um, the ball starts going up the other way, Mavinga starts tracking back, and to get the play called dead, he makes a pretty vicious tackle from behind, also could have been a red card, um, and obviously a, a massive scuffle breaks out between the players. Clint Irwin comes out of his box. You got Bradley and Irwin going at it. And, and the referees seem to lose all control um, of the match at that point. So what I want to ask you, and both of you guys can comment on this, is um, these, this is two incidences now in, in one game um, where you know we see a violent conduct from a player um, because of a, a, a lack of um, decision-making from the referee. Uh, so did, did you think that it was a penalty or do you think that, you know, Larea went down a little bit too easily and that the, the right decision was made? Um, so I'll, I'll answer your Larea question. I'm going to go back to the Josie Altador being a shithouse uh, uh, issue. So for me, okay, at this stage in the season, when you haven't locked up a playoff position and, you know, you, you need these points, you need you need to make up ground. And, and clinch that playoff position, something like what Josie Altador did for absolutely no reason against a team that isn't in the playoff hunt in, in the Western Conference. If he had gotten a red card and we were down a man, we could have easily lost that game and then lose three points. So, like, let, let's be real. Altador's temper has gotten us in trouble before. If you remember New York Red Bulls and the Sasha Kleistian incident, um, it, it, it's something that happens more often than it should. And I know he thinks because, uh, this is just my thought, is because he's sort of a muscle-bound, bigger striker that he can kind of intimidate other players. Um, I, I think that he just steps into situations and puts himself in situations that he shouldn't be in. And this is going to be an issue. It's going to be an ongoing issue with Josie Altidore. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get suspended um, because it's been a couple days um, since the game now and nothing's happened. I... Realistically, yes, I do think he should be suspended, and I think if he is, that's going to really hamper TFC's uh, TFC's ability to make the playoffs and get a home uh, home like a first home game in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that little rush of blood to the head by Josie Altador could have wider ramifications than kind of what we're what we're thinking about right now, um, and then. On the topic of Richie Larea, I think you and I were talking about this and I, I brought up that Richie Larea is very close to having a bad reputation once he gets in the box. If if he continues to go down with zero contact or very minimal contact, referees are just aren't gonna give him the call anymore. And then they're just the the defending team is just gonna come back the other way. I think Basically, what he's doing is he's setting himself up, A, for simulation yellow cards, which is never a good thing for a right back to be booked um, at any point during the game. I mean, it happens more often than not, but um, it's not a good thing because that leads to suspensions. It leads to red cards. Let's 
there's just a whole rabbit hole that can happen from there. But I think Richie LeRae is very close to having the Sebastian Javinko, um, even to like a Harry Kane type uh, reputation where he goes down very easily. Um, and then referees are hesitant to call it uh, because then obviously they're seen as making a mistake. You know, VAR comes into play. Um, and realistically, I don't think VAR needed to be used because I do think he went down e- easily. Yeah, um, uh, fair enough. And I mean, it was it was just a situation where um, because it was in the back um, and, and I understand that Loria has sort of picked up this um, reputation similar to that of like a Sebastian Giovinco. Um, it was just one of those situations where VAR was used on the Eltador penalty. Uh, like I said, I'm assuming um, was to find out whether or not it was a red card. Um, but then um, it took three minutes to look at that. And I just, I don't think it was a red card play. He pulled on the shirt, but he wasn't the last defender. It wasn't the last man. Uh, it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity. It was just in the box. Um, and, to, to take three minutes to look at that just seems sort of almost unnecessary. But then you have this incident where, you know, an elbow or a shoulder into the back player goes down, you know, in a, in a, in a pretty consequential part of the game. Uh, and VAR doesn't even take a second look. It just feels like it's, it's very inconsistent. Uh, and yeah, we've because, talked about because, this a million times, but. Because VAR is not currently being used as a, as a ultimate, you know, truth, truth serum or a truth telling device or a lie detector. It's being used to, it's being used as a tool of reasonable doubt, which kind of undermines the whole point of VAR. Like VAR is the second opinion. VAR is the science in a way that, 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 you know, we miss it. We miss it as humans. We're not perfect. Referees are going to not be able to see instance clearly. They're going to lose control of situations. They're going to not make their best calls all the time, and especially in a league like the MLS where the standard is lower. VAR is a tool that should be used to its full extent because, in a way, you can improve the refereeing standard by always having the right decision being made. You can hold bad referees accountable by having a metric and a measurement for saying, you know, oh, you made like 60 decisions this year that VAR returned. You shouldn't be in this league. And therefore, weeding out some of these bad quality refs and bring them up. But anyways, coming back to VAR, the reason it's inconsistent is because of this reasoning behind it. Is it a clear and obvious error? This is a bullshit reasoning. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked in any of the top five leagues in Europe. It's not going to work in... It hasn't worked in two years here in the US. So I think I think it's just time to, to call a spade a spade and say, look, use VAR to make the right decision, regardless of whether or not the referee's feelings get hurt. I'm sorry, yeah. the, 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 the integrity of the sport and, and the calls need to be accurate. The integrity of the sport needs to be that of one that makes sure that it's fair. And if you're having VAR just kind of as a, as a t- tool for referees to maybe use it, maybe not use it, then why have it in the first place to begin with? I agree 100%. And I think that that's sort of uh, the biggest issue with VAR right now is trying to define this whole clear and obvious concept. I think that it, it's it's garbage. It doesn't work. And it needs to be gotten rid of. And the, the point of VAR should be to get brought in in order to ensure that the right decision is made regardless of how close or how, you know, um, how, how close the, the decision was. Uh, but let's push forward, guys. Uh, so TFC went on to win the match, a game winner from uh, Osorio, who came off the bench for an injured um, Nicolas Benize. Uh, and so, the, you know, TFC gets the three points. Uh, they're now on, they were on an uh, unbeaten run of nine games in all competitions. 
Um, and now we're know, on a beaten in one. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, Toronto is sitting in fifth place, uh, 45 points, one point behind DC. Um, you know, it's the same amount of games played. And I feel like now it's, it's plausible for them to finish in a home playoff spot if they keep pushing forward. But now the serious question comes down, do you focus on the Canadian Championship or do you focus on the, the playoffs in the league? Um, based on the starting 11 that Greg Vanny put out last night, it seemed that his focus was more on league play for the weekend against LA than it was against Montreal for the, the first leg of the Canadian Championship. It seemed like a team that he was putting out there to hopefully, you know, weather the storm and get a result so that we could come home next week and hopefully do the business at home. Uh, Toronto FC lost the match 1-0 on a rocket, uh, an absolute banger from uh, Ignacio Piatti. Um, but what do you guys think? I mean, what, where should the, uh, how should Greg Vanny line up with these? You know, we have three huge games coming up. They played Montreal last night in Montreal. They now have to fly to LA for the weekend to play LAFC, who are in absolutely great form right now. Um, and then they have to come back to Toronto to play Montreal on the second leg. That's a lot of travel. Uh, it's it's a lot of games in a short period of time. Uh, and they're they're big games. They they all matter. Um, so, I mean, where do you think Toronto FC needs to put their focus? Uh, so, if I'm being completely honest with you, I am... Let's, let's keep in mind, New England, who's in seventh place, has a game at hand. Um, so, that could be, say, three points... That would bring them up to 43 points, which would uh, put them right behind us. Uh, two points behind, but still right behind us. Um, uh, you look at the lineup that, that Vanny put out for the Canadian Championship, and I know like he said that Alex Bono is, is his goalkeeper for the Canadian Championship, and obviously he needs to have the Canadian content in uh, the starting 11. Um, but... I don't know, man. You had, Ju- you had Justin Morrow coming back from an injury. You had Simon, who really has been on and off all season. Moore, who's coming back from an injury. Uh, I mean, you had Gallardo, who has at times has been electric, but is really still trying to get up to pace. Mullins, who has, what, two goals this season, three goals this season, something like that, um, leading your line. And then Justin's favorite player on the left wing. So, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't... Let's say it wasn't the the best lineup he could have put out there. Uh, was it the? It was definitely the the lineup that he put out there. But was it the best one he could have put out there? No. So I I don't know where his thinking is. I don't know if he was going to give those players a rest like uh, Puzuelo and Altidore um, coming into the weekend against LAFC. But you know if if I'm Greg Vanny, I'm keeping these players at home i'm keeping pizzuolo and Altador at home and flying to la because you have to yeah, fly all I, the way to la you have to play I, against a team that's pro- let's be real it's probably going to kick the living shit out of you and then you have and, to fly back to play uh to play montreal why not give these guys basically a week off um coming into the montreal match um which you're down one nil on aggregate so there's obviously the chance that you can still come back and win it um, why not give them the, the week off? Um, I, I'm, I'm really confused as to why he didn't play his best 11 against Montreal in the first leg to maybe get a commanding, a commanding win coming back to Toronto for the second leg and then rest them against LAFC. I think his thinking is kind of backwards. Yeah, I think, I think he definitely thinks that 
TFC have a chance against LAFC, which I don't think they do because a win against us will effectively seal them the supporter shield. Yeah. Because they'll have they'll be seven points ahead with two games to go. So it would no, it is not effectively. They will win the supporter shield if they if they beat us. So LAFC are gonna be playing all out. Uh TFC, you know, we've looked okay in the last ten. You know, a lot of the unbeaten and nine, quote-unquote, was just draws. But, you know, we've become difficult to beat and we could frustrate LAFC and I can see the value in getting a draw for LA because that will help our chances. If we lose points, we're, we're, we're basically flirting with, with whether or not we make the playoffs full stop. So I think Vanny wants to maximize his chances in the league. I think he's probably right to, to, to do so because his job depends on it. But at the same time, I do see where you're coming from, Peter. It's like you take the L against LAFC in this state. You just do. And you don't go to LAFC. Well, obviously, you want to go to every game thinking you're going to win. But realistically, you know, you're only 1-0 down against Montreal Impact. I mean, ideally, it should have been 1-1 or maybe 0-0 if if Piatti didn't hit that that weldy. But regardless, like... It's 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 a strange one. I, I don't know if they're going to take the kids to LA and and keep Pozzuolo and uh, Altador and some of the some of the first teamers at home, but yeah, you take the L against LA. You field a full freaking strength, fully refreshed team against Montreal, and then you just go all in for the last two games of the season. Should he have fielded a full strength on on uh, on the Tuesday? I don't know. I don't know on the Wednesday. Sorry, I don't know. It was it's it's tough because I mean I agree with what you guys are saying, and I, I feel like you know I the the team he put out last night, like I said, was out there to to try and just get a re- result and, and weather the storm. But it, it just felt like it was the wrong move. I think that you know with the travel look, the Toronto FC's chances of beating LAFC are probably as good as Newcastle's chances of beating Liverpool over the weekend, uh, which you know was not very good. Uh, and I just think that you know. We, we need to just accept that and, and it would have been better off to put out a full strength squad against Montreal, uh, put out, you know, a squad to try and weather the storm against LA, hopefully pull out a draw, uh, you know, that we would take that and then, you know, bring that full strength squad back to Toronto against Montreal midweek again next week uh, to, you know, hopefully win the Canadian championship. Thankfully, it's only 1-0. Um, there's still, you know, lots of football to be played and, and there's a very good opportunity for Toronto at home to get the business done. Um, but I mean, it's just frustrating because it, 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 I feel like Toronto FC needs to focus on, um, and this is uh, just to kind of go back. This is um, sort of a, a commentary on, on MLS in general. I don't like this idea that, you know, we, we have to sort of rest players for uh, the league and we can't play them in certain tournaments because look at, look at Europe. I mean, look at these big teams that are playing in, you know, they play in the Carabao cup, they play in the, the FA cup, they play in the UEFA champions league or the Europa league. And yet they're still able to field, you know, full teams with travel and, um, and, and then bring those, those same full, full squads home to play in the league. It just, I don't like this idea that, you know, players need to be rested for this or for that. Yeah, but the, the, okay, but you can't make that comparison because first of all, they're, they're elite level squads that, you know, have a lot more resources than the MLS do. So they can have second, third, fourth, 11s. Like look at, look at Manchester City's second 11. It's a world-class starting 11. 
no, and, and it costs world class money. You're 100 you know? right, but you're telling me that Harry Kane is going to sit out in a Champions League match because Spurs have a big match for the, for the Premier League, or he's going to sit out in no, a no, Premier but, League but match because they have a Champions League match coming up. No, that's no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in combination with that, you know, you could that, that you know extra squad depth, that extra those extra reserves. Like we barely have a second eleven, let alone a first eleven. You know, so, so with that flexibility comes individual coaching styles like Harry Kane. Yes, if he has to play against, I don't know, Dynamo Zagreb one night and then against Chelsea the next uh, for the league, you know, against Dynamo, he can play a very passive play style. He can just be the tree, whereas we know he has to be more athletic against Chelsea. Against, you know, Montreal aren't as good as Toronto, for sure. And I think the two, the, there is a significant gulf in quality between LAFC and Montreal Impact. So, you know, you could tell Altador, hey, you know what? Against LAFC, take it easy. Just, just you know, they're going to be better than you, so don't try too hard. And then you can go all out against, uh, against Impact if you want. The point is that when you have more people to chop and change, you can also experiment with different playstyles for individual players, and therefore you can use those playstyles to help conserve energy, to lower the chance of of, um, of injury, of any, and and just manage their risk. With us, with TFC, we don't have that. We're either in or we're not. All for one. <laughs> and we don't have a playstyle either. We have. And we don't have a playstyle. We don't have. All right, guys. A set go run around. Like, the, the only redeeming quality we have is that we become hard to beat and then even then against Colorado is very questionable because, you know, we've got Oro and Mavinga standing on each other's toes for half the game, so... Yeah, it, it was messy and, and I do agree with you, but guys, before we finish up here, uh, we got two big games coming up. LAFC on the weekend, uh, Montreal, second leg, Canadian Championship, uh, midweek at home. I want to get your predictions. I'm going to you first, Peter. Okay, so I think we should take a big nasty L in LA. Honestly, if it's me, I'm flying TFC2 out there to play against LAFC. And I'm keeping the first teamers at home because if we can beat Montreal midweek, all of a sudden we're in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, that becomes more attractive to players. Um, and it just overall, I think uh, the, the silverware will help the team in general come together which is great um i think you take the l against lafc um and if he doesn't heed my warning of sending the kids out to la instead of bringing the first team out to la we will lose against montreal montreal will sit back and take their 1-0 win and go into the concave champions league as canadian champions that big air quotes canadian champions when really they haven't won anything. All they've done is won the Canadian Championship. At least we've won an MLS Cup. So let's just say... Um, Forever in our shadows. Yeah. With that, <laughs> we take an L against LA. Yeah. If we don't rest the players we need to rest, we're going to lose against Montreal as well. So it's all dependent on the lineup for Saturday. All right. I like it. Um, what about you, Chengiz? Well, Montreal final at home, potentially raining. It's going to be a classic at BMO. That that I think is pretty comfortable to say. Um, so I'm predicting four two against Impact. Okay. But what's going to happen is Impact's going to get to a two one lead. Is that aggregate or four two that game? No, just for that game. So the okay. aggregate would be three one, okay. meaning we'd have to score three more, and we're going to win in the 90th minute because of course we are. 
So we're going to score that fourth goal. Hopefully it's Josie. Hopefully it's Schaffelberg. That'd be a nice story. I was going to say, um, it's probably going to be Schaff. Yeah. Schaffelberg. But you know what? Like, I'm taking the kids out to... Um, well, I'll take the whole squad. Obviously, he's going to take the whole squad because we don't have a squad. <laughs> Another squad. Um, you know, you play roughly the same 11 against Montreal because I didn't think they played too badly. I think, you know, ultimately Montreal wanted it more um, the other night. You know, you start Schaff, start Endo again. Um, maybe keep, maybe start Gallardo and keep Benazé on the bench. Yeah. Um, let Delgado run the show in midfield. Rest Bradley, rest Pozzuolo. Uh, bring on Altidore in the second half because you have to for contractual reasons. And just let, yeah, again, just honestly just take the L because there's no way you're beating LAFC when they've got a, their first ever supporter shield to win that night. I'm predicting it's going to be 3-0 to them. Um, and then, uh, you know, no harm done, no no harm, no foul. Come back to Toronto, whip Montreal's ass, and then take that take the high of that victory all the way through for the last two games and end up in the playoffs. I like it. All right. place. Two, two solid breakdowns. There's not really much more I can say, but I'm going to take a more optimistic approach. Uh, I'm going to say that I think Toronto FC has proven that they are hard to beat, uh, even against Montreal with that, you know, weakened squad. Uh, I mean, minus the banger from Piatti, which let's be honest, whether Westbrook was a net or Bono, that goal was going in. Um, you know, we were still able to, to sort of weather out that storm. So I think that we're going to pull out a draw against LAFC. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm optimistically going to say that we're going to beat Montreal at home. Uh, I think it's going to be probably more of a, oof, I'm going to say 2-1 and Toronto FC is going to win it an extra time. Um, and yeah, I'm going to, Actually, no, that wouldn't work because then they would have the, <laughs> They'd have away, the away goal. goal. <laughs> away goal. All right. Uh, <laughs> quickly, quickly before I before you end, um, can you just quickly take a look at the Western Conference and observe LAFC's goal differential compared oh, to the yeah, rest of the league? It's absolutely absurd. I believe it's like plus fifty-five. Don't quote me. Forty-four. That's yeah, and like everyone else is like three nine four zero three <laughs> yes. five one minus ten minus twenty two Vancouver yeah plus forty four yeah that's insane yeah and even go to the Eastern Conference New York City is only six. plus nineteen the, yeah. this is some this is some FIFA career mode stuff like <laughs> honestly honestly well guys uh, I mean let's see what happens uh, I'm gonna say Toronto is gonna beat Montreal so I'm gonna call three one victory as well for. Um, 3-1 victory, so that'll be a, a 3-2 final on aggregate for Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to do it for us here, guys, on this episode of the XI Network Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting service uh, you guys subscribe to. Uh, check us out as our website, www.xinetwork.ca for a lot of great written content. Uh, we have some great photos up there and obviously our podcast itself. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, on behalf of Peter Robinson. Uh, I was trying to think of something witty to say that I just figured I'd, uh, you know, say, trust the children. Trust the kids. They are our future. That's fair. I'll give that to you. Uh, and Chengiz Khan, so nice to have it you back. It is good to be back. And I have to sign off with my customary um, factoid. Did you know that uh, roughly 6% of people what that was it just roughly six percent of people isn't that interesting (laughs) (laughs) 
You literally had me on the edge of my seat there being like, did he freak? I know, I was waiting. I was, was waiting. Like radio silence. We were just waiting. I was like, did the audio cut out? <laughs> no, but I mean, but, but seriously, like 6% of people. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, 6% of people in the world. So, no, that doesn't even work. Don't you know even, don't even try. <laughs> not even going to try. Subasa. Um, Subasa. But uh, guys, it's been great having you guys on. And uh, Chengiz, welcome back, thank my you. friend. And on behalf of myself, your host, Justin Boro, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.